in need of some low-tox travel tips? That is today's show. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 305 and I have no guest for you, but the good news is it's me and I'm talking Lotox travel tips. I've just recently come back from overseas and as I was looking at some of the resources that I put together in the early years of my blog, lotoxlife.com, Uh, I figured there might be some things that needed updating, so I put it out on social media. What questions do you have? Uh, And then a lot of questions came back with really popular themes, some of which I also wanted to talk about that uh, I wanted to bring up today. And so today's show is all about low-tox travel tips. It is focused on international travel, big trips, um, or it could be domestic travel to other big cities. Uh, But I have some regional trips, some land travel tips as well, and uh, and a whole bunch of advice based on my personal experience. I'm born in London. Uh, First part of my life in Chicago came to Australia as a little girl. And because my mom is Mauritian and her generation traveled overseas to study, a lot of them stayed overseas and set up families. I have cousins everywhere. And if I want to see my people, I got to get on a plane Uh, because Australia is a big faraway island. And so I have traveled a lot in my life, gratefully so, uh, and... Uh, also grateful to always feel that sense of home, really, because I'm always visiting family or most of the time anyway, uh, other than for work travel. So for work, of course, I've traveled a lot as well on land, in planes, little planes, big planes, trains, rental cars. So I've done a heck of a lot of traveling. Probably the only type of travel that I'm not best versed in is camper van and camping type travel, um, simply because that's just not my thing and that's okay. Uh, So there are tons of resources out there, thankfully, for people who like that kind of travel. So I'm going to hook into today's show in a little minute and take you through all of those tips. But I wanted to mention our wonderful sponsors who help us put on this show every single week. We have three this month, one being our major sponsor for the year, Oz Climate. If you're living in Australia, you may have heard the recent announcement that we are now in our third La Nina. Three years in a row, folks, a lot of rain, a lot of mold, a lot of revealing of houses that perhaps have leaks and things not going the right way. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to invest in good quality dehumidifiers before you have an event. Why? Because when there's something like a flood or a mass rain event like La Nina, where it's just unrelenting day after day, the problems that arise in buildings mean that people pick up the phone and call for commercial dehumidifier rentals and try and buy dehumidifiers at warp speed online. And of course, things therefore go out of stock. So if you have a dehumidifier at hand and at the ready, you might be in a a larger apartment or house where you need multiple units. Uh, I can't stress enough how important that is. And with Oz Climate, you get an extra 10% off their already excellent discounted prices at ozclimate.com.au. Go check it out. Yet again, another wet season, we need to be armed with a preventative strategy for mould to protect our possessions and our homes rather than waiting till the poop hits the fan and then not being able to do anything because things are out of stock. I just don't want what happened last summer to happen this summer. So you want to be running dehumidifiers through your wardrobes, uh, in your living spaces while you're asleep at night, and in your bedrooms during the day while you're out and about being busy so that you keep your indoor humidity down and your possessions don't get ruined 
by mold. Very hard to clean possessions after the fact, so much better to prevent it from happening in the first place. Uh, second wonderful sponsor is Block Blue Light Official. Now we've had the winner of the giveaway announced over the weekend. Congratulations. Uh, you are winning six of the wonderful Sweet Dreams light bulbs to kit out your home with that beautiful blue light blocking mellow light for your evening and nighttime. Uh, and you obviously have uh, now the go ahead to uh, go and stock up on your Block Blue Light products. If you didn't win those light bulbs and you were keen on them, you have 15% off site-wide with the code LOTOXLIFE15 and they do international shipping. So this is fantastic for all listeners, whether it be glasses during um, computer use during the day uh, to tone down the amount of blue light exposure, whether it be full blue light blocking glasses for your evening and nighttime, uh, fantastic for airplanes, by the way, uh, or whether it be the brilliant full spectrum light bulbs that with the flick of a switch, you can go from day to evening to full nighttime mode, gradually reducing your uh, blue light over the course of the day. They're fantastic, quite new. So if you haven't checked those out, they're great. I actually had a couple of low toxes letting me know about the reading lights that their kids are loving, uh, which is great as well. And you've even got nightlight options. So go check it out. Um, huge amounts of five-star reviews uh, and uh, 15% off is a fantastic chunk of your purchase. So LowToxLife15 is the code and the website is... Um, blockbluelight.com or .com.au. You've got both there. And then you have, lastly, Peak Chocolate. So these guys came on board a couple of months ago. A lot of people are loving what is also my favorite, which is the Focus Chocolate. Peak Chocolate are an Aussie family startup business that have created healthy, no sugar, dark chocolates with benefits. What do I mean by that? I mean, you have three in the range. One is energy, one is focus, and the other one is rest. And depending on which one they are, they have a few added little benefits to amplify what it says on the label. So with energy, there's a little bit of caffeine, there's some protein, fantastic for people, a little snack before the gym. Uh, For focus, you have wonderful L-theanine popped in there, which helps you focus a green tea extract and you have L-tyrosine. And then in the evening, you have some wonderful uh, B6 and magnesium uh, and tryptophan, some of the things that help us chill out and get to sleep easily in the evening time. So I'm a really big fan of uh, the focus chocolate, especially um, having a tendency to have a million things going on and needing to buckle down. Uh, But my son and I have really enjoyed the rest drinking chocolate and rest chocolate. It's actually quite sweet, the rest one. I wouldn't call it a dark, that one. It's more like a milk dark. And so it's a really great sweet tooth hit after dinner. Uh, Maltolol is the sugar used uh, that is um, uh, conventional sugar-free, obviously, so it's not going to give you insulin and blood sugar issues. Fantastic for diabetics uh, among you. Uh, Please let your friends know. Great product, and I hope you're enjoying it. So you get... 20% off your first purchase. It's a one-time use only, but it means you get to discover the range. So I'd encourage you to get one of each maybe, or one of the boxes. If you think, oh, yep, focus is my thing. Uh, Lotox 20, and uh, you can head to the website or you can, um, which is peakchocolate.com.au, or you can go and join them on their Instagram community at peakchocolate as well. Enjoy the sponsor offers. And now let's hook into these low tox travel tips. So there are so many things that I could talk about with travel. Firstly, I want to thank you for your well wishes. This was our first trip overseas for four years. Obviously, the old uh, COVID situation got in the way in the middle there uh, and meant that we couldn't go and visit family, even if we wanted to. But the special occasion of my baby cousin, our last of our first cousins, getting married in France, uh, and a lot of my family lives in France, as many of you will know, um, was just too much of a, an opportunity. We just, I could 
not miss that wedding. Uh, we hadn't even had the chance to meet his fiance uh, because they met at the start of COVID. I hadn't met my little new niece and nephew, my um, other cousins, little kids, and uh, and that was kind of hurting me um, big time um, to not know them and uh, for them to not know me. So uh, off I went with Seb uh, for some French immersion uh, and it was great to see him get really motivated by speaking French for the first time. Any of you guys with a bilingual situation in the parent generation trying to then teach your kids in an all English or whatever the country is you're living in um, milieu where your partner might not speak the language that you so desperately want them to speak from your heritage, it can get really tricky. And I've tried and we've, I always say things, little things to him in French, like brush your teeth or jump in the car. So he's always exposed and he understands those things. But in terms of voluntarily wanting to speak himself, that's not been very high on his priority list until this trip where he really felt um, sad that he couldn't communicate with his cousins in a way that he wanted to. And he was very motivated to learn and he made huge progress, which was really, really exciting to see. So we had an amazing time filled with super happy memories. Hosting the wedding um, at my auntie and uncle's as well meant that we were all hands on deck doing all sorts of little jobs. And, and it was just magical to really, really be a part of it, not just turn up on the day. Um, and, uh, and there was a lot of bonding, which was fabulous. So I feel completely loved up, completely torn apart, living so far away from, uh, much of my family, but there you go. Uh, we have to be grateful for the time that we do have together and what a time we had. So I'm going to take you through, I thought I'd start with what I got ready before the trip. Now, um, Different people have different degrees of needs to be uh, strictly prepared or wholly prepared. Some people who aren't unwell and just like to live low tox and make those choices, I want to urge you to not feel like you need to stress about the fact that in travel situations, we're not under control of every single little thing. As I always say with leading a low-tox life, we do what we do most of the time so we can go with the flow some of the time. So yes, I'm giving you my blow-by-blow, but someone like me who's recovering from SIRS, uh, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, who is still highly uh, uh, affected by mold exposures, um, who is thankfully less massively affected by EMFs now that my system is generally less sensitive as I recover, but who that is an issue for if I've got been smacked in the face with a whole bunch of towers where I'm staying, for example, which I was in London. So I'll talk you through that. Um, I have a big list. Uh, you might not need to have this massive list. And so I just don't, uh, just a mental health check here. I'm not sharing what I'm sharing to throw everyone listening into a huge panic about doing low tox perfectly while traveling. There is a bunch of stuff I go with the flow on while traveling, including taking gluten enzymes. Uh, I'm gluten intolerant here in Australia, quite badly so. But in France, I just don't feel like I'm as badly affected, especially if it's good quality, um, straight from the local um, boulangerie, um, beautifully, beautiful, high quality French, traditional, organic, often um, flour. I just don't feel like I'm affected in the same way. So I take gluten enzymes to protect myself and maybe to help my digestive system along, but I don't have celiac disease. I'm not highly allergic. And so it becomes a go with the flow. And I find that's actually better for my mental health. Now, if you are celiac and you are really, really highly sensitive to all gluten-containing grains, then your mental health will best be protected by being well-prepared and having the resources you need. So I'm going to kind of oscillate between those two populations. I'm going to share a bit of mold stuff as well for my fellow mold-affected peeps. 
Um, and I'm going to share a bunch of useful tips around jet lag and, and a few other things, as well as covering a whole bunch of uh, questions that came through on my Instagram stories when I asked you guys what your travel questions are. Also going to be talking about water, actually. So what did I do before the trip? How did I pack? We are, my son and I are on um, supplements, um, both from his pediatrician, from my doctor and naturopath. And so I have to keep up those supplements as does he while traveling. They're non-negotiable. I made sure I had lots of stock and I bought pill boxes that meant we had three weeks worth just in case there were plane delays or we got COVID uh, and we had to stay a few extra days, even though we were only going for two, two and a bit weeks. So I filled three weeks worth of pill boxes and I packed those in hand luggage. The reason I did that was because there have been a lot of reports of the airlines struggling as they get back on their feet, as the, of the airline industry struggling to deliver all bags, especially if they're connecting flights and transfers. Um, some of the bags aren't making it on and people aren't getting their luggage till the next two or three days. So I packed in hand luggage the things that I needed as non-negotiables for my health, as well as a couple of extra pairs of undies and a couple of t-shirts. Um, that way we were sorted uh, for those first few days uh, if our bags didn't make it to us. And that way, if our bags completely got lost, I had enough supplements for the entire trip, which were the top health priority. The second thing I pack in hand luggage is our mini Waterman water filter from Waters Co., I've got the details of that in the show notes. The mini Waterman is, uh, you know, you could even fit that in a tote bag if you didn't want to pack a carry-on wheelie. And it is just the most fantastic travel companion. I have that plus our reusable water bottles and then refill the reusable water bottles uh, for the day trips out and about and make sure that we drink um, water uh, from the restaurant if we're having lunch uh, so that we don't use up all of our water uh, for the day in um, uh, on the day and we've got enough right till the end of the day. Um, but if you have a good amount of water, like two or three glasses before you leave in the morning, you can be sustained unless it's really, really hot by two or three glasses during the day and then have another two or three glasses in the evening when you get back to the hotel or making sure you top up when you're at food outlets and you're able to get um, good quality water. Uh, obviously trying to avoid plastic, going with glass. There are some fantastic recycling programs throughout Europe um, and the States. Uh, or you could take back your recyclables into your hotel or your Airbnb and um, try and make them um, recycled that way if you have to use over and above your reusable stash. Um, where you fill your bottles in the morning. Now, um, EMF protective blanket, that's something I have from uh, Radius Smart, I think the company is, but you can Google, there's a few different ones online. Uh, and I take that blanket just in case I'm in a hotel room where I can't switch a lot of things off. And so then I just put it over me. Um, I use it as an extra blanket on the plane. I find I get freezing on the plane and that extra blanket is actually a really welcome extra layer, but it also is a little shielding. Um, the EMF levels in an aircraft are quite high, so that's an extra protection. Uh, if you're really sensitive to EMFs, you might want to invest in an EMF hoodie from Less EMF. They're expensive, but they're durable. They're going to last you ages with that silver meshing on the inside. Or you can maybe just invest in a beanie or a cap and a t-shirt as another combo option if it's really hot where you're going. Um, so those are things to look into for EMF protection. Um, EMR Australia sells EMF protective fabric by the meter. This is something we actually had to buy five meters of, $1,000 worth of, when we found ourselves living really close to concealed um, phone towers a few years ago. Um, and I was getting palpitations because I was still very much um, recovering from mold at that point, which meant my whole system and mitochondria were completely battered to begin with. So EMFs tend to affect those sorts of people uh, more. Um, so we had bought that fabric. Now I cut a strip of that fabric down and I'm so glad I did 
because when we got to our hotel in London, which thankfully was fabulous and mold-free, highly recommend the Ibis uh, Suffolk near London Bridge. Um, really gorgeous little um, theatre-themed hotel, really inexpensive compared to most London prices. And um, and yet <laughs> we were on the corner, corner, corner of the very end of the building, which, as I opened up the curtains, was right opposite a set of phone towers. So I opened the window, tucked the EMF sheet over the top, closed the window, and we were perfectly protected. I had absolutely no issues. Uh, and that was fabulous. So you might, if you are EMF sensitive, want to consider um, traveling with some EMF protective fabric. If you're not sensitive in the slightest, you've never had any issues with EMFs, your um, hand doesn't tend to get buzzy when you're on your phone for a half hour, hour, uh, and there are no palpitations uh, in your history living in a city, especially where you would know that EMFs would be higher in general. Um, then these might not be things you really need to consider. I wouldn't stress about it, but for the people who are sensitive and you know you are, then packing a couple of things in that realm can be really, really helpful to make you not stress while you're away in other big cities, especially. Um, okay. So if you're traveling by land or by, you know, so train or car and you are mold sensitive, you might want to consider packing a compact air filter. Uh, and this means that you can sleep right next to it. So even if you end up in a dodgy accommodation situation, you can whip out your air filter and, uh, and have it right there next to you, helping to filter out some of those mold spores that are airborne. Uh, but I will say, it's really interesting to me. Over the last couple of years, I've noticed that I can be in uh, a water-damaged building, but as long as I've got my own bedding that I sleep on top of and under, the effects of that water damage are drastically uh, decreased. And that's because if that if that airborne mold has got into your um, the bedding that is in that accommodation then, uh, and that's directly on my body. I find that my nervous system just absolutely freaks out, sounds the alarm, the heart starts racing and I start skipping beats. And this happened to me once while I was overseas. I travel with a doona and a sheet that I can then wash, uh, sorry, a quilt cover that I can then wash, um, regularly so that it doesn't get into the doona. And I also just buy a cheap, um, pillow, uh, when I get there, or if if I'm if it's a short trip and I've got all my luggage allowance and I don't need to pack a lot of stuff, I also pack my pillow. Um, now you might think that's overkill, but anyone who's been through SIRS is going to know that that's actually genius because you're then sleeping um, with uh, your own bedding that you know is mold free, and you can give it a really good wash regularly and keep making sure it stays mold free. Um, and so when I got to one of the accommodations and I realized that as I got into bed, I was, I was just busy um, reading and then I realized my heart started going nuts and then I realized I started needing to pee a lot. So my um, diuretic hormone was affected. These are my two major mold alerts for me personally. And they happen completely involuntarily. They let me know I'm in mold. I often don't um, realize I am. And so Often I've realized that it's actually the quilt or the mattress, um, especially if you're going to hotels that have been locked up for a couple of years, maybe the aircon hasn't been going, you might find that you're actually reacting to the bedding, not to the room. And the good news there is, is you can just pop to the local supermarket or, you know, in France, it's a monoprix, for example, M-O-N-O-P-R-I-X, and just buy another cheap single doona and put it under you on top of the bed so you don't use any of the bed or bedding or covers. So you put your new quilt on top of the um, top of the bed and then you sleep under your doona uh, and with your pillow and I guarantee you, you will find you're way less reactive in those environments. So that for me is my major SOS hack when you realize that there's some mold where you are. Um, so yeah, that I'll go into mold a little bit more later on, but that is what I pack. Therefore, I always pack a quilt, quilt cover, pillow cover, pillow. 
um, as my basic. And then if I absolutely desperately need it, I buy an extra cheap quilt. It doesn't, I honestly don't care what it's made of. I leave it behind. I know that's wasteful, but honestly, it makes me so sick uh, and takes me weeks to recover that personally, this is where I hate rules and regulations and stipulations that make people feel ashamed if they have to do something a different way. Um, if you need to do something for your health, you are of no use to anybody on the sustainability and planet serving front if you are massively unwell and can't get through the day. So do what you got to do. Uh, it's the same reason I don't shop at op shops. I will never buy secondhand clothes. It is too much of a risk for my health. I don't borrow books from the library. Again, too much of a risk for my health. So these are the sorts of things that, yes, on on paper, all of those things should be done to minimize our footprint. But if you are someone who is extremely sensitive like I am, uh, I'd much prefer to feel well and be able to minimize my footprint in other ways than feel like I'm going to die, which is no word of a lie, exactly how it feels when I'm um, exposed to mold and then not be able to be of use to anyone in, and and then endanger my health. Um, so you really have to decide where your boundaries are and what things you're going to do and what things you're going to go with the flow on to, to look after yourself. Uh, okay. So next thing I shot, I, I pack is eco washing powder, or, um, I decant a mini, um, amount of sal suds, the Dr. Bronner sal suds, which is a really good quality, um, robust cleaner. And I pack that, um, or some, or a couple or a few loads of, um, mini washing powder. So it could be your eco store, your aware or your, um, koala eco, which you could decant, I mean, whatever low tox brands you're using. Uh, I pack organic tea bags, plastic free. Uh, and then that way I've got really good quality tea for my trip. Um, if I'm traveling to a bigger city, I don't tend to worry about then maintaining the supply in terms of what I pack because I know I'll be able to get something there. But if you are, um, setting out and you're going regionally and you're not sure what you're going to have access to packing enough tea bags for your trip. If you're a big tea drinker, uh, herbal or black tea, whatever it is you're into can be a really good idea. I also pack travel soap. I cut my big bar soap into a couple of cubes so that I've got small amounts for each stop. Uh, so you're not going to use a whole bar in five days. It's kind of annoying to keep repacking a big bar. Um, so I just put tiny little cubes in, um, in a little um, beeswax wrap and then take one out for the five days that I'm in one place and then the week that I'm in the next place. And I find that works really well. Uh, okay. What is next on my list? I'm just making sure it's all still recording as I yap on. Uh, shampoo, obviously I decant. I use, um, a shampoo that's a liquid. I haven't found any bars that work for me. So that's what I do there. Um, I then pack, uh, a few SOS, uh, like medical kit, natural medical kit supplies. And that means I've got whatever I need at hand. If we get, um, a cold or flu type virus, or if I get exposed to mold, uh, or if I feel really run down or if I can't sleep or if I have some kind of allergic reaction, so I'm really glad I did that because I was actually, I had an allergic reaction coming out of Singapore. I was eating the veggie stir fry because I figured that was a nice um, safe option. I tend not to eat meat on planes or in airport lounge, uh, airport food courts and things because you just don't know where it comes from. Um, and I'm a staunch supporter of regenerative and organics wherever possible. Um, and so I was eating this veggie stir fry. I was like, far out. These taste amazing. <laughs> they were so delicious. This carrot and cabbage stir fry. And then my lips started going numb and my and head started splitting. I was like, ah, oh, that's why it tastes so good. Crap. And I'm really sensitive to MSG, very high histamine as well. So I had my Telfast uh, in the handbag. I had quercetin. I took both and I was completely fine uh, in 20 minutes. Also had an electrolyte to really rehydrate 
the headache was gone as well. So very thankful for quercetine, antihistamines, uh, which you definitely want to pack, especially if you have mast cell activation syndrome or if you find that you get palpitations after meals, especially meals where you've had wine or cured meats or cheeses. Um, then you might be histamine sensitive and, and packing a couple of histamine strategy, things like that. And, um, the seeking health histamine block product, which is the DAO enzyme, which helps you process food-based histamines. Um, these can be really, really helpful if you're going to be potentially having reactions to foods, or if you're a hay fever sufferer and you might be having local reactions, the antihistamines I suggest bringing along just in case you might need because they're not a given as an over-the-counter medication overseas. In France, for example, you need a script for the Fexo um, type of antihistamine. So if you've got some, then that way if something pops up, uh, you, you've got them at hand. Other things that I pack are electrolytes in stick form. The uh, Seeking Health ones are the ones we use. I also pack Saccharomyces boulardii, uh, which got us through a food poisoning episode where we actually had a really big day planned catching the train up to Cambridge to visit my godfather in uh, out of London. And uh, Seb and I got up at four in the morning after Mexican with my cousin and the the trips to the loo started in quick succession. Um, and thank God we had Saccharomyces. We started, uh, we popped a couple, didn't quite hit the sides, popped another couple, finally started slowing down and popped a fifth one and we were able to do our day. And then the electrolytes, of course, help us, helped us rehydrate from the lost fluids. Uh, so I find that if you've got things like that, it means crisis is averted on travel. I pack Arnica, my fa- one of my favorite homeopathic remedies, just in case you get bumped and bruised. Um, uh, I find Arnica really helpful if you're doing a lot of walking or a lot of standing or a lot of sitting because of that anti-inflammatory uh, circulation boosting property as well. Another thing that I pack and use on the plane is natokinase. It is an enzyme that helps clear fibrin from your blood. Very good for circulation. It's a Japanese uh, natto-derived enzyme. Uh, Fantastic for circulation. Now, that is something that I would talk to your naturopath or doctor about, especially if you're already on blood thinner medication or you have any kind of clotting issues, whether you can't clot or you clot too much. You don't want to take something like natokinase uh, willy-nilly. It's definitely something to chat to your uh, health professional about whether you might need or not. I also pack uh, cough lozenges that help with tickly coughs. I, I pack charcoal, which is my binder of choice if I get exposed to mold. So if I get those palpitations or um, twitching, tremor, uh, dizziness, then I know I've been exposed by mold and I pop charcoal. Uh, if you're really sensitive, it's a fantastic prophylactic as well. So take it away from your meals, one or two charcoal tablets a day, chat to your naturopath or doctor about it. Um, it could be a really great preventative strategy for you. And then in terms of my uh, immune kit with all the lurgies going around this year, thankfully we did not get sick at all uh, while we were overseas, including having dinner with my dad who turned out to be COVID positive the next day. Uh, I was very grateful for um, that uh, (laughs) not turning into a thing the week of my cousin's wedding and us all going down like dominoes. Uh, But as soon as I found out, I was very glad to have packed vitamin A, vitamin D, uh, vitamin K, vitamin E, zinc, uh, and C. Uh, And and so we we did our little protocol that I I have with uh, my uh, doctor. So you want to talk about dosages. You want to talk about things like vitamin K, again, that affect uh, your blood viscosity, uh, just to make sure that you do the right thing for you. But a, just a note on taking vitamin A, D, K, and E, they're fat soluble vitamins. 
So if you feel like you're coming down with something or you know you've been exposed to someone with a virus and you don't want to get sick while you're away, um, these are fantastic to take, but make sure you have them with something fatty. So eat half an avocado or have a really buttery piece of toast uh, or have a piece of cheese or two, um, and that way you're actually going to absorb those vitamins. Um, Really, really useful. Uh, zinc, obviously fantastic to take, take with meals cause they can, it can make you nauseous and then vitamin C you take to bowel tolerance. So that means you take it until you feel like you might be getting a loose stool and then you pair back and you know, that's what your daily limit is just below that. For me, my daily tolerance when I'm, when I'm avoiding getting sick or feel like I might be getting sick is between six uh, thousand, um, so six grams and 10 grams. That's a lot. 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C is a lot, but someone else like my hubby has a 1000 milligram, um, vitamin tolerant, vitamin C tolerance. So it's different for everybody. Have a little play around, chat to your doctor or your naturopath, uh, to decide what might be a good dosage for you and break that dosage up over the course of the day. Uh, so those are the, the med things I take when I'm traveling. Now, In terms of snacks, uh, I think especially if you're gluten intolerant, it's a really good idea to pack something like a long life cracker. So a buckwheat cracker um, and a few packs of, especially if you're going regional, you're not going to have time to shop in cities where it's very easy to find gluten-free products. Um, you really want to make sure that you have, uh, uh, at least a vehicle for things to put on top of, which I find can be the most important thing, um, for the gluten-free, uh, person, um, fresh fruit and crudités. Obviously, if you're on an international trip, you can't then bring that into the other country that you're traveling to, but you can use those beautiful fresh foods as your food. So you can snub the airplane foods and, uh, and eat your food, um, which will keep you in much better shape. Now, remembering that on an airplane, we're sitting for long periods of time, not very active, and we just don't need to eat that many calories to keep us going. So a few crudités and fresh fruit snacks, uh, if, um, you've got a really fast metabolism, you do find you get really uh, hungry on a flight still something like beef jerky is a fantastic thing to bring. Again, most countries won't let you bring that into them, but you can eat it on the flight. A couple of boiled eggs is a really great strategy as well. Um, with those crackers that you're packing, a tin of fish can be a great one. Uh, I always like to pack um, my salt in a little container and then you can sprinkle it on your eggs uh, or sprinkle it on the fish on your crackers. Um, and those are really the kinds of foods that I bring on a long haul flight and I find they do me very, very well. Uh, I'd be, I'd love to know what, uh, you guys do, but those are really helpful for me. You can also pack protein powder if you need it. Uh, I don't tend to find I get very hungry to be honest on airplanes and I eat very little. Um, but if you do find you need, um, a bit of, a a bit of a energy kick, a bit of protein, then a protein powder that you can just stir into water can be a really useful, easy, uh, on the go, um, on the go option. Uh, so let me have a little look at what I've got next. Yes. Okay. There's so much to talk about. I just want to make sure I cover everything. So allergies and intolerances. These are the two groups of people that you want to plan ahead and do a bit of reconnaissance to where you're traveling, what is going to be available. By that, I mean jumping on Google, Googling the city name. So let's just say you're going to Madrid. Do Madrid organic shops or Madrid organic markets or Madrid gluten-free And you're going to find a ton of resources. And if you're going to a big city, it's really not going to be hard for you to connect to gluten-free products, say, if you've got a gluten allergy or to dairy-free products, if you need to avoid dairy for whatever reason. So, for example, in Paris, you have the wonderful Boulangerie Chamboulin, and they do incredible breads, pastries, you absolutely would not know that you were eating gluten-free when you eat there. There's the no glue patisserie, that's G-L-U. But then you have fantastic 
um, natural markets, natural supermarkets throughout uh, Paris and regional towns and cities. I mean, I went uh, where my cousin was getting married, where my auntie and uncle have their property. It is uh, the nearest town is so small, uh, Bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, gorgeous, uh, but there's a low-tox shop there and I was able to get things there. There's a Carrefour supermarket and I was able to get organic yogurt and uh, gluten-free bread there. It really just was not that hard. So I think in Europe these days, it's actually extremely easy to travel with allergies and intolerances. Much harder, I would say, is rural Australia uh, or regional Australia. That would be where you would need to be packing a few supplies. Uh, if there's a local Woolworths, you you might find some options there. Um, but as I always say, when you're traveling, the default is to get close to nature, natural markets, local produce, local restaurants and shops, and eat your meat and veg. I mean, it's just got to be the easiest way to go. France is very localization food system proud, and I found it extremely easy to eat close to nature um, there. And uh, and then in terms of um, London, for example, well, actually, I should share the, the Parisian um, and French uh, natural markets that I found. So you have uh, Naturalia, you have Biocébon, you have La Vie Claire. And then uh, in regional areas, you have Monoprix and Carrefour, big supermarkets, um, where you have organic sections, you have gluten-free sections, and it's very, very easy to connect, I found, in France, both regionally and in Paris. Uh, I was never thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. And as I said, in France, I just don't feel like I have the same gluten issue as I have here in Australia. Um, so with some gluten enzymes, I was able to go with the flow and eat locally made tarts and breads, um, which made it much easier, especially in the regional, um, in the regional times in London, you've got whole foods, you've got Holland and Barrett, um, for your more kind of natural, um, uh, medicinals, you've got planet organic, organic, which are fantastic. Um, and, uh, and then, as I said, if it's not one of the cities that I've just mentioned, Google it, Google whatever you need to, it to be free from and uh, maybe even consider placing an online order before you get there for delivery on the day or the day after you get there so that you're not stuck and without what you need if you really have to pay attention to certain aspects of your diet or um, medical or natural medicine care. Um, uh, that's everything I wanted to talk about there. Yes, I've covered all of that. Okay. I'm turning the page. Um, EMFs, obviously I shared that story, um, about putting the fabric up on the window or sleeping with the fabric on top of you. That can be really helpful, especially if you're in a hotel where you can't disconnect some of the technology that can be a nice protection. But as I said, if you're not someone who ever feels like you sleep badly in other cities or in hotels and you're quite flexible in the way that you travel, um, you don't need to panic and prepare yourself for every eventuality. I'm more mentioning these things if you're sensitive like me and you like to cover all your bases. Um, when it comes to mold and avoiding mold, Different people have different needs and different uh, operators, hotel and Airbnb, will have different perceptions of what mould-free actually means. And so you might find that you need to call ahead. You need to say, I'm super sensitive to mould. My son or daughter is really allergic. I just want to make sure that um, you check, could you check the air conditioning, make sure it looks like there are no black spots anywhere near, um, anywhere in the, in what you can see, uh, because if it is mold contaminated, you will actually see black spots. Uh, with hotels, you can ask if they regularly clean their uh, air conditioning systems. Um, you can look for a hotel that's been recently built or recently renovated. So you know that the new, um, air system is relatively new and, un, uh, you know, less likely to be contaminated. Uh, and then if it's an Airbnb, 
Um, you want sunny, you want um, uh, something that is uh, used a lot. So tons and tons of Airbnb reviews, which means it gets opened and closed a lot and doesn't spend weeks on end in rainy periods where you're traveling to closed. That's the worst kind of Airbnb you can possibly get. So you want lots of recent reviews. So you know that it's opened a lot. And as I said, I find if I travel with my bedding and so what I'm sleeping directly on and under is mold free, then I tend to do fine, even if I'm somewhere that's a little bit musty. Um, I did that sleeping in a 13th century property in France and I had absolutely no issues while I was there, even though I had a whiff of a little musty something here and there. I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Where is that? Don't know where it's coming from. Um, I was not affected by mold the entire time I was there. And I definitely attribute lots of time outside, lots of airing um, and fresh air coming through the property and lots and, and that security of my bedding being mold free. Um, in terms of the mold peeps, if you are really, really sensitive to mold like me, you want to pack a binder and your charcoal. Uh, you want to pack ubiquinol um, and possibly PQQ. Uh, you want um, and ubiquinol and PQQ are going to help you look after your brain, your mitochondria, and you want to pack potentially some B12 to look after your nervous system um, because mold can massively deplete your B12 very quickly, and those electrolytes to keep your cells hydrated and stop your lymphatic system from going nuts in the mold. Uh, and as I talked about before, antihistamines um, and DAO enzyme can be really helpful um, there to manage not eating your everyday foods um, and, uh, and help you stay healthy. Jet lag is the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, as I wrap up um, uh, the chat and, and go into a few of the questions that came through on Instagram. Jet Ease is a fantastic homeopathic product uh, that you take on the plane every couple of hours. And I honestly find since I discovered this thing a few years ago, my jet lag maybe lasts two days tops. Uh, two other strat, well, three other strategies that I employ is um, packing melatonin. I take one to three milligrams. Uh, I, um, for the first few nights that I'm in the new time zone. Uh, and then you might also want to consider it on the plane to get some better rest. Uh, and you might want to talk to your doctor or your naturopath about the kind of dosage for your health picture, um, or for your children versus you. That's really something that I'm not going to prescribe. I'm not a health professional. I certainly don't know who you are listening to this right now. Please talk to your health professional about it. Another thing that you might want to consider talking to your pharmacist or your doctor about is a medication called Restivit. Restivit is a sleeping aid that is an antihistamine. It is fantastic if you want to hit the ground running and you've got a ton of things to do when you get to your destination and you just have to sleep on the plane, but you are so bad at it. Rest of it, rest of it I find, is a fantastic antihistamine-based sleeping aid. So it's not as taxing on the liver as sleeping tablets are, which I don't recommend if you can possibly avoid them. Um, but uh, on the back, it says take one to two. I honestly think I would be asleep for five days if I took one to two of those. I, and Me and my son, it's for 12 years and up, he took about a fifth of a tablet. I took between a quarter and a third of a tablet um, on the plane. We slept for eight hours on the long haul chunk of the Singapore-London um, flight and uh, it meant we were able to hit the ground running. I also take rest of it on the first two nights of arriving into my destination uh, and then move on to one milligram of melatonin for a few more nights. And that I find means I'm might have a tired pang or two during the day, but I have absolutely no issues and jet lag doesn't consume me. Other strategies for jet lag is absolutely ensure that your first day or two is very exciting. You do not want to be sitting around doing very little because it will make you tired and you will want to sleep right when you're not supposed to be sleeping in your new time zone. Do lots of stuff, 
Don't sit down, get out in the broad daylight and get your feet into the ground, grounding barefoot if you can. Um, These strategies will really, really help you uh, stay awake and stay able to stay awake. Uh, and, um, And I also find that if I'm changing time zones to the point where when I'm sleeping, I might normally prefer uh, to be getting up and eating because I, I get a big hunger pang at three in the morning, which used to happen to be all the time in my twenties and teens. Um, I would wake up and I would be desperate to eat, have a tablespoon of peanut butter or that kind of a rich, intensely satisfying food right before you go to bed in your new time zone. And it's just going to block out. So it could be even just butter uh, or a really buttery piece of um, toast or um, some cheese on a cracker, something really satiating that just cuts out those hunger cues that you might get that might be strong enough to wake you up um, in a jet lag situation so that you have a better chance of sleeping through. Um Uh, what else did I want to say? Oh yeah. For kids, just talk to your doctor about a safe sleeping aid for the plane. If they really struggle to sleep or if they really struggle with jet lag and, um, you might find like my son, I was able to give him a quarter, uh, just under a quarter of a rest of it. And that helped him not have any jet lag at all. Uh, we slept through the night, um, both here and both, um, heading over, uh, for those first two key nights that tend to be the worst. Um, and then I also just want to eat, reiterate, make sure you've got exciting, fun activities those first couple of days that are going to keep the kids engaged so that, um, you don't have them falling asleep on you. So those are my travel tips. Now I want to hook into the Q and a from, um, people that a few questions that came through that I haven't talked about here because I wanted to just keep them separate. Um, Favorite go-to, oh no, favorite go-to travel food I did do, but Sam also asked about favorite suitcase. I have found um, that the American tourister suitcases with the hard shells are the best. I do not use soft shells on suitcases simply because suitcases tend to be put away into storage, into a wardrobe, at the top of a wardrobe, into a garage. That is a walking mold disaster and hard shell is the way to go. And then I sun the inside of them really well before packing them. And I find that works fantastically. Um, in terms of managing bathrooms in airports, I have a mini Dr. Bronner, um, uh, hand sanitizer that I use instead of washing my hands with dodgy hand wash, especially if your hands are prone to dermatitis, you just want to avoid all those nasties. If you can in the plane as well, that's what I do. And then I give my hands a really good wash, proper wash when I get to my destination. Um, you could pack a mini, um, travel Castile soap as well. That's another option. Um, I got a question around how to find family holidays that enlighten and enrich, not just sitting by the pool. And I, I like that question because it brought two things up in me. One was, oh my gosh, modern life is so busy. Sometimes a holiday where you're just by the pool and the kids are loving just playing and swimming all day. And that beautiful, happy exhaustion that comes with that can just be the perfect antidote to a busy, stressful school term where you're doing a million things with activities and weekend stuff. Uh, Sometimes we do actually just need to sit by the pool. So don't worry if your holiday is really chill. I mean, sometimes we really need that. Um, But if you want to find holidays that enrich and enlighten, I encourage you to look up tours. There are so many fantastic tour companies in the destinations you're going to. Um, and there are eco tours and there are museum tours and there are behind the scenes at Wimbledon tours. And you might find fantastic accompanied tours that bring to life, um, a a destination with a bunch of stories that you might otherwise not have extracted from your own, just going about your day in that destination. I am a huge fan of of an organized tour that is age or interest appropriate um, to really bring to life the place you are and really 
developing a greater sense of understanding that place instead of just looking at it from a pair of tourist novice eyes where you're um, you're only learning what you see rather than what someone can teach you about a place. I love a good tour. Um, I've talked about how I juggled mould. Caitlin asked about that. Uh, what are the priorities to take with me when traveling low tox? So healing ox, um, asked this one. And obviously I've talked about a bunch of different things. I have a ton of priorities cause I'm, I have that sensitivity to mold and lesser so a sensitivity to EMFs. And then of course, in, um, most countries I have to go gluten-free. So priorities are really individual and I want you to think about what is a priority for you. Uh, and then start there. I mean, I gave you a ton of things to think about. So from there, it really is about what the priority is for you. Um, Ms. Bradshaw asked about eating organic overseas. I love looking up what the organic market situation is. You might find a fantastic farmer's market uh, on while you are where you're going to. Uh, The Marché du Boulevard de Raspail in Paris is absolutely gorgeous. That's R-A-S-P-A-I-L, um, and, uh, is full of local artisans. Uh, I, I think it's a wonderful way to connect to nature and the land, uh, just hitting an organic market. It's brilliant. Uh, I talked about the drinking water. I talked about the food. Jane Draff asks about the food. What do I do? Um, I would do your best and then go with the flow with the rest. Honestly, as long as you don't have a medically urgent food situation, Uh, just go with the flow. And, you know, the fantastic nutritionist that I had on whose, whose name escapes me right now on the show last year, talked about an experience with an indigenous uh, American tribe that she was invited to a ceremony of. And, she was expecting these beautiful local recipes that she was going to discover from their culture and then got handed a neon uh, green jello and an overprocessed biscuit at this ceremony that they were having. And it was like, um, oh my gosh, you know, what, uh, like, and then she just decided in that moment to be nourished by the experience rather than super focused on the food. And, as a result, she actually felt super nourished by the super dodgy food. So what I found fascinating about that, especially from coming from a nutritionist, was there is a lot in the choice we make to frame something as and define something as either good or bad, nourishing or not nourishing. A lot of it comes from our mind. Now, I'm not saying that means we can subsist on bright green jello and overprocessed biscuits forever. Absolutely not. But in a go with the flow situation like travel often needs to be, to not bring stress and discontent and uh, shame around not being able to do something perfectly is so, so important to our overall health while in situations that are beyond our control. So that's my advice there. Do your best. And from there, go with the flow. Um, now anything else I didn't cover in these, uh, questions, how to, uh, no, hold on. Here it is. The last page. Um, no, I think I talked about everything, eating low tox for kids when traveling. Oh, well, I guess there I would say avoid the kids menu like the plague, because that usually is full of processed deep fried vegetable oil ridden crap. Um, and give them little bits of what you're experiencing and take them to a market, get them to discover the local food, use it as an education piece. Uh, and you might find that your kids discover new favorites as everyone in the family is discovering new foods. Oh, what do they eat here? Let's see. Let's have a taste. Don't let them get upset about not recognizing any, anything. Let them take their cues from you about how exciting it is to travel and taste things that we don't normally get to taste at home. It's all in the reframe for traveling with kids as well, I find. Um, 
and and that's it. So all of the other questions came in what I was talking about anything. So we were all on the same page about what worries us or what we need to prioritize when we're traveling. And I hope this show has helped you feel ready for your next trip. Please share this show with friends if you found it useful to you. Uh, I can't wait to hear any of your travel tips that you want to add as you share it on Instagram. Make sure you tag me at Lotox Life so I can share your comments with our community as well. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low-Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.